Science is so complex these days that it becomes very difficult to communicate it to the very people that it's intended to impact, the general public. As scientists, we communicate with one another in a very specific way, but we also need to be communicators of our science. Artists basically, as much as scientists are trying to find out about the world. Artists are well suited to take complex topics and ideas and present them to a wider audience in a compelling way. Hello everyone, I'm Catherine Basile and this is the Neuroethics Police Podcast. This is our eighth episode of 2019 and we're looking into art. No, you did not hear me wrong. A-R-T. Art is what we will be discussing on this episode of the Neuroethics Police Podcast. I also want to take the moment to mention that just a few weeks ago, I wrote an article for the journal Nature. And for those of you who do not know uh, this journal, it is a world-renowned science journal where scientists around the world share their research, but also experiences in academia or in any science-related work setting. In this article, I discuss the lessons I learned from creating this very podcast, and I want to share very briefly the three main messages or lessons that I have learned ever since starting this podcast. First and foremost, fostering quality over quantity. If only a handful of people are listening regularly to this podcast, then I am more than satisfied. Of course, I hope that the message spreads across to everyone, but starting small never hurt no one. Second, embracing feedback. I had to adapt to uh, many comments and suggestions that I have received from both friends, but also from strangers, listeners. It only makes the podcast more successful when you are listening to what your audience wants to hear, what you want to hear. Last but not least, enjoy every bit of the process, from creating the content of the episode to interviewing your guests and even the editing process, which honestly is my least favorite, but still I have certainly enjoyed this whole process of creating a podcast that I believe has a very strong message and that is to raise awareness on the ethical and societal implications of neuroscience. Now, ever since this article, the podcast has received a significant amount of new listeners. So to all the new subscribers, welcome to the Neuroethics Police podcast. This is a platform to be curious, to be critical. So please do not hesitate uh, to leave your comments and give feedback or even contribute to the discussion by sending a voice message via the Anchor platform. Welcome to the future of neuroethics. This is Neuroethics Police, a podcast where neuroethics will question the science. So grab a cup of coffee and join me, Catherine Basile, your host, as I guide provoking conversations with experts in the field about their insights on the ethics of neuroscience. Now, in this eighth episode, uh, we are going to look a little bit at communicating science through art. 
not just communicating it to the public, but also allowing the public to critically think for themselves about um, current neuroscience research and practices using artistic means, which a big number of people can relate to and understand. Now, I believe this is beautiful and really important. Before we get into any of that, let's not forget my guest. For this episode, I stepped completely out of my comfort zone and went out of academia and into art school. This episode's guest is, you guessed right, an artist. She is Saskia Volk, a teacher in teaching and directing theater at the Tunnel Academy Maastricht in the Netherlands and the program development and staff member of iArts, an interdisciplinary art school. Saskia, thank you so much for coming in and being a part of our effort in raising awareness on the ethical and social implications of neuroscience. I'm really looking forward to this episode because, first of all, deep inside me, I know I have a huge passion for art, but also because I am amazed at how we can bring the fields of science and art into an outcome that everyone can relate to, scientists, but also non-scientists. Thank you, Catherine, for this uh, wonderful introduction. Um, I think that one of the um, main uh, reasons why art can or even should be uh, related to science is that uh, nowadays we are facing so many complex issues in our world and everything is so intertwined and connected on a global scale. Uh, there are so many very complicated problems that they are not solvable with a one-track pony solution anymore. So neither science nor art nor politics nor any other field can solve stuff on its own. So we need to collaborate. Uh, on a yeah. transdisciplinary level and that is actually one of the main reasons why we started for example uh, our interdisciplinary arts program iArts seven years ago now because we found out that uh, there is a need in the world in several uh, fields perhaps even all fields for people that collaborate on another uh, yeah with a broader perspective so to speak and how to train uh, artists, people, for that to contribute to a better understanding and perhaps even, uh, yeah, more solutions to our yeah, complex environment at the moment. So that is the that's the current underthinking, you know, underneath this uh, this attempt. So it's really bringing new perspectives, new creative ideas from non-scientists. Yeah and see what they can bring to global uh, problems, solutions to global yeah. problems. Yeah, of course, that sounds very big. Huh? That's like a, a very, um, uh, how do you say that? It's a very high aim. Uh, and I'm not saying that we have the solutions for that, but um, at least we can try. So <laughs> yeah, I mean, let's start it's from there. It's definitely, <laughs> definitely worth the effort. And it's definitely yeah. a very, uh, I would say, interesting perspective to bring to the table because we are not only bringing other scientists from other domains, but we're bringing someone that 
I believe is closer to the public, which eventually will 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 suffer from either the ad the, the consequences, but also will enjoy the advantages of any technology or any science that is going to be eventually translated. The public will will uh, eventually uh, uh, get the results, and I think artists are really closer in some ways to to the public. Yeah, of course, and when you talk, for example, my background is from the theatre. Theatre doesn't exist without an audience. So um, I was trained with a very deep knowledge uh, or awareness about how important it is what you want to uh, transport to the audience and what you're actually telling and what you are evoking and how that will work out for the people that are there so the impact on an audience is of course the one of the main questions you have to ask yourself when you are making theater so that is in my uh, background in my opinion one of the questions you always have to answer in your work and i think uh when it comes to science it's not only about how science is communicated it's also about how we can collaborate with scientists to give them a broader perspective on what they are trying to do. And so, for example, the fact that via art you can uh, also address another type of impact. Uh, for example, you can use the senses uh, instead of only explaining stuff via words, which is limited. Hmm? So, and uh, words also have another complication, and that is that often they are misinterpreted. Yeah. But a sensation is a very true and lively thing. And also on a human scale, if you talk about impacts on humans, people have also another kind of um, perception. It's not only about... Uh, how the brain works. It's also about how the body responds, for example. And there you, there you have a perfect link to what art might bring to the table. And not only in terms of communicating with your audience, but also about creating another kind of awareness with the scientists. So when they come out of their labs with this, for example, super new molecular <laughs> bacteria <laughs> or something like an example. Um, yeah, of course, they have, uh, they have like a big invention and they are totally in their thing. But uh, talking about the ethics of something or what it will evoke with people, sometimes it's not um, a thing that you can easily transcribe with words only. So you need need other means to uh, bring topics to the table or uh, even try things out. So in that, in that sense, we can learn a lot from each other, I think. So do you, do you agree that art speaks louder than words? Sometimes, not always, of course. I mean, it has to be done well, but uh, it's possible. Yeah, it's possible. Okay. And also because scientists, of course, are highly educated people, but the not everybody is a scientist. So the world, the people who actually um, yeah, are the, um, the platform where these uh, inventions are going to be uh, yeah, used, they are not all scientists. They are other people with other understandings and other needs perhaps even. So 
um, it has to come out of the bubble, so to speak. Huh? It's the same like an artist should also come out of his bubble. Mm-hmm. If, you, if you only make art in your atelier, that's the same as yeah, being put in your laboratorium and uh, have no idea about what's going on in the world, actually. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> it it, <laughs> helps, to it helps to really ask the right questions, I would say. Yeah. I yeah. mean, all questions are, 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 you can ask many questions, but which questions are the right questions that will eventually serve a, a greater amount of people? Yeah. Saskia, yeah. can you tell us a little bit more about the work that you currently do uh, uh, at iArts? Um, well, my, my job is, um, of course, to try to uh, further develop the the whole program, so I uh, try to keep everything uh, uh, together and connected, etc. So I also always try to uh, get new, interesting people involved, like for example, like you. Um, <laughs> and uh, we work with a lot of partners. Um, one of our aims is that we do everything in the field from day one. So we are not uh, we really operating um, in the world, and we are not locking our students up in a studio but uh, we try to uh, yeah, really confront them with uh, this is how things are going and how are you going to respond to that so what will it evoke huh? mm-hmm. um, so uh, that is my job to see how that uh, can further develop because we are constantly on the move of course and there's not one uh, fixed way or one method uh, how to how to deal with this it's also a very new program it doesn't it almost doesn't exist for example so we have to invent everything ourselves yeah. <laughs> so i think we are becoming quite good at that okay. so in that sense it's also some kind of a laboratorium but then in the field like a field lab that is uh that is something you could um you could use okay as a metaphor yeah yeah, yeah. and saskia your background is in drama theater and now you yeah working in this interdisciplinary field, bridging science, technology, and art for quite some time. What was your motivation to get into that field of work? Why and technology combined with art? Yeah, it's not only science and technology. It's also, for example, a lot of uh, societal um, uh, issues. Eh? So in our program, it's always the connection between arts, science and society. So that's, let's say, the, the, the triangle we um, we move around in. And my motivation was that I had been a teacher at the uh, Academy of Performing Arts for 17 years. And that's a great institute, uh, but it's also an institute. And um, when you are there for 17 years, I got the feeling that it was too narrow. It, was, it is, of course, only theater. Uh, and to me, I was in a, in a need of some, a new environment and other perspectives. So uh, I had a chat with um, my director, at that time, Leo Sinkels, and uh, he knew that I was uh, aiming for yeah, something else. And I said, I will never leave my first love, you know, like this is, uh, of course, yeah. I want to uh, stay connected to the academy. That's not the problem. And I will never leave the, the world, the field of theater. But um, yeah, it was like, I also wanted to, uh, to learn new stuff and from people with other backgrounds. And then he told me that they were 
experimenting with uh, the question, uh, shouldn't we train a new type of artist, namely an interdisciplinary artist? And then he said, this is something for you. I think you should join the team. So I was very happy with that opportunity. And then I found myself in a context with, yeah, uh, not only people from the theater world, but also um, visual artists, philosophers, uh, people from the world of trading, economics, um, etc., etc., uh, journalists, uh, other researchers, scientists. So that was so interesting. It was like I was studying again. Yeah. Uh, I was very thankful for that opportunity and I'm enjoying it still every day. So I learn a lot and it, it broadens your understanding and your perspective. And of course, you need to have a curious mind, but I tend to have that. So I'm I'm very pleased with this uh, situation now, yeah, and the opportunity that came up. And Saskia, what do you believe is is the importance of the work that you do? What where is the where does the value huh. lie in, in in the work that you do? Well, uh, it strongly relates to what I said in the beginning, and that is that there is um, there are so many complex issues around us, and people, a lot of people I know also um, sometimes get the feeling that it is unsolvable it uh, that things become too complicated too big that people withdraw themselves from the world and say okay this is not doable for me anymore i can't contribute you know what, what can we do for uh, the climate change of course you can do something in your own house but that is too small so yeah that there is a there's really a need for another type of um, solutions and another belief. I mean, democracy is almost dead, right? So if yeah. you look at, uh, for example, the whole Brexit circus drama thing, um, yeah, people don't feel hurt anymore by politics. So that's a very dangerous situation, of course. And uh, yeah, there are a lot of people really, let's say, they feel they don't feel connected anymore to the system, to each other, to uh, yeah, what's going to happen around us. So you need a lot of other um, yeah, complex solutions to tackle complex problems. Yeah. Uh, so the the yeah, let's say the expertise of dealing with complexity is. A necessity now and that is a big change if you compare it to uh, how the world was like uh, well let's say 50 years ago it's not that that long huh then people then it was different people have other beliefs and the world was measurable it's not measurable anymore it's too big it has become too big I mean there are even people who are considering living on other planets so that's yeah. the scale we are talking about huh yeah, yeah. It's over our heads almost. Mm -hmm. And how do you believe that art can communicate the science and its implications to the public? That's, that's a very interesting but also a difficult question because also for that question, there is not one answer. If it was that simple, then there wouldn't, yeah, then there was no problem. Huh? If there was a solution for that, 
then uh, somebody would have found that already, of course. So I'm not saying that art is the solution. Uh, I only say that there is a lot to experiment with and that might lead to new insights and other uh, understandings. So I don't know if um, if we yeah if we really bring new stuff to the table uh, because I think that is partly what a scientist does. You can only work together and see if you can um, broaden the understanding and also the impacts of it. Yeah. Maybe maybe you can relate it a little bit to uh, one of your latest projects, um, mm -hmm. which I would like to uh, point out, mainly because I luckily had the chance to take part in it, but also because it falls within the neuroethics theme. Recently, students that you train in the iArt school were involved in a project called All Sensations. Can you tell us a little bit more about that project? So it's a very broad topic. So our students researched that and took yeah, themes out of it um, and related to that with art pieces. Uh, so they made a, an exhibition in the museum and we organized a symposium around this. And there it was very interesting that um, there were scientists speaking at the symposium who actually also themselves um, were living examples of what happened with them in terms of sensation. So why, for example, they were in a burnout or um, how it was for them to be on heavy psychiatrical medication for a couple of years and how that influenced their thinking and their understanding. So there was a very interesting and also revealing um, exhibition and symposium, I think, uh, with, with a lot of impact also on the people that were there and of course you always want when something is successful then you always think oh what a pity that only the people that are here now can uh, can see this or can witness this huh so that's another challenge for us to see how we can expand our uh, reach our impact how can you uh, literally reach your audience so that is also a question for us and also a responsibility for us that we should take like in terms of uh, to use the dirty word pr is very important <laughs> in this kind of work yeah yeah because otherwise it can be very valuable what you do but then it is so small then you have so then the, the impact is too low so, so as you said that um some of your uh, students created art uh, based mm -hmm. on the theme of uh, of sensations of of assimilation, yeah. uh, what was your favorite art piece at the exhibition at the museum, and can you share it with us? Um, well, there were a, a, a couple, of course, but one that really struck me there was a uh, it was a movie actually, and the movie was some kind of a mix between. Uh, a registration of um, kermis, not a circus, but uh, like um, uh, a mill that was turning very fast with people in it, like a uh, uh, like a swing, you know, that goes round. Yeah, with a lot of people in it going very fast, 
and um, a compilation of interviews with ra yeah, apparently a random collection of people uh, about yeah, how they see the world around them. Uh, and then at the same time, when the people were talking, you saw this this swing turning all the time and it was faster and faster and faster. So it was, of course, a metaphor for huh, how people stand in the fast-turning world around them. And it almost had like a meditative effect in a certain way. So the whole concept of this video um, turned itself around. So at first you see, of course, the first layer of the metaphor, and that is the fast-turning world around the people. Mm -hmm. But then watching the movie, it almost becomes uh, a very it has a calming effect. So that was a very interesting piece of art, so to speak. So it's it turned say, itself around. Yeah. Is it to yeah. say that uh, uh, even though we ha we are it's 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 a fast-paced world that we are getting accustomed to it to the point where we do not feel it's a fast-paced world. Yeah. For example, or that um, uh, speed can also be a positive thing. You know that it's not only that people can't follow anymore, but if you embrace the fact that things go very fast, then you might not only get uh, used to it, but it might also, um, yeah, take you take you in another um, in another state. I, I sometimes believe that artists are better or even more talented in translating the science, but also the implications of science to the public. Now, inspired by the project All Sensations, what's the main message that you wanted to convey to the public? Huh. Um, I don't think there was one main message. Um, there were a lot of different messages, of course. But, uh, and I also don't think that we, we work in a way that we formulate the message first. Mm -hmm. So uh, sometimes you find that on the way, or sometimes you need your exposure to an audience to see what the message could be. Uh, and uh, of course, it's also a subjective thing. So what what I take out of a piece of art as, as the message can also for you mean something else. Huh? So that's a very uh, open thing, of course. But if you talk about what was the aim, then I think one could say that um, the aim is uh, when you make art out of these kinds of topics, then you can at least bring in other senses and um, yeah, other forms of understanding and also be revealing in terms of what do we actually know from scientific knowledge because there is so much scientific knowledge that we don't even know you know because it's not told it's not transported it's not made visible it's not made understandable yet for example so and that way art can help enormously to uh, simply share what is already possible and then of course you you enter the the, the world of the neuroethics huh? because uh, a lot of people also get shocked when you uh, start to understand what is already possible in terms of, uh, I don't know, uh, uh, gender transformation, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, 
doctors can do anything already, but they are not allowed yet. Huh? So because there are a lot of ethical discussions around it, but at least you have to address that to uh, be able to make a debate and to uh, disclose the debate from only uh, being held uh, in a, uh, let's say, in a small group of scientists. The debate should be open, huh? should be a public debate about all these things. So that is a that is a main message that we try to bring across, how to open up and how to have dialogue with each other about these kind of topics. I think you pointed out a very important uh, uh, issue. And, and I always think from the stand of a, of a scientist that there mm -hmm. is some kind of science communication, uh, be it in magazines or in the news. But yeah, I think of course. it's always important to look at uh, someone that is a non-scientist and see what they yeah. think uh, um, yeah. is being communicated and whatnot. And I, I have to say, even even you are can be even considered working along the lines of, of, of science because you are always contributing and collaborating with scientists. But what about mm -hmm. the individuals that are completely uh, not working in this yeah. field, that are completely not exposed yeah. to anything in this field? I think they, they really feel left out in some ways. Yeah, yeah, that's true. And of course, uh, this, um, this, this, uh, this risk of uh, being captured in your own field, that is something that uh, also a lot of artists suffer from. And we also have to watch out that, um, that we don't uh, become some kind of an elite. Hmm? So you have to make a connection to, let's say, the, the, the bigger audience, let's say the rest of the world who are not so uh yeah trained or known with these kinds of with this kind of stuff i also i don't know a shit about synthetic biology for example <laughs> um, and we did a whole project at uh, bioart uh, laboratories uh it was called the lively sciences and uh, it was for the safe chassis project so that which is a much bigger project that is about synthetic biology yeah of course, you read stuff about it and you try to understand what the impact is, but we, we will never become scientists uh, uh, in, the, in the field of synthetic biology. But what we can do is uh, try to help the scientists to create a better understanding for what he's doing and also uh, try to create some kind of new... Uh, ways of impact. So how can you help the scientists and how can you also help the audience at the same time, which are two different stakeholders huh? <laughs> in a way. So in that sense, the artist is the bridge builder between two worlds that are yeah, at the one hand far away from each other or don't understand each other or don't even know from each other's existence. So you need like a bridge builder to connect those worlds and uh, see what comes out if they do start to communicate with each other for example and if they can explain their stuff to somebody who doesn't know a shit about synthetic biology like me hmm? yeah so you yeah. have to use you, you have to use the fact that you don't know a thing and, that is that is the basis for curiosity huh? yeah exactly <laughs> and maybe maybe to give 
an example to to our audience of how mm-hmm. um, uh, art can do that. So inspired by the theme of of the project, your last project, um, let's talk a bit about how how can art really uh, um, translate the implications of, for example, the sensations and stimuli that we are exposed to today in our every life, such as mobile phones, social media, advertisement, etc. How can, in this case, art tell us that, okay, we are being overexposed, this might eventually harm us. How, how can art translate this message? Um, yeah, this is also a very interesting question and also, um, of course, a bit a difficult one, because in a way, I can also say I don't know if art can do that. At the other hand, of course, there are a lot of examples. There's, For example, there is a, a picture of a photographer who uh, of two uh, Syrian sisters, I think 13 and 15 years old, who have this syndrome that they uh, they they are shut down from so they are like in coma hmm? they uh, this is a syndrome that is only happening in Sweden strangely enough and uh, also happening a lot with asyl uh, seekers who are insecure about their future who have uh, suffered from a very traumatic journey of course uh, and come from uh, war zones. Now, these young people, uh, they have so many, that is the, that's what they think, they have so many insecurities that at a certain point, the body simply shuts off. So it is like they are asleep, but they don't respond to nothing, not to sound, not to food, not to senses. Uh, so when you squeeze them, for example, they don't respond. It's like they are in coma. So, and that can last for months or even years. It's like a a very heavy form of uh, uh, apathy. Hmm? Now, that is a shocking picture because you see two beautiful young kids, actually youngsters, and it relates to what we are doing in our systems with, uh, for example, what the implications of insecurities are. And uh, doctors can keep those kids alive, of course, and they are. So the the, the ladies are in the hospital and they have like uh, um, uh, what they feed astronauts with, you know, that kind of food in their nose. That's it. Yeah, that is what science can do then is keep them alive. But the implications of why is this happening? This is our responsibility. You know, this is what our society and our society that is us is doing to this generation uh, so that is a very impactful picture shocking actually immediately addressing uh, your own responsibility and that is something that of course is different than you would only for example hear the doctor speak you know about this topic the scientist explaining what this syndrome is or when you see the picture of these two young beautiful ladies in the blossom of their life simply yeah, being dead alive or alive and dead at the same time or something. That is what we do. It is not what a scientist does. Huh? That's what our society does. So 
that is a very, and of course, it's also a very political message, but that was for me one of the most, um, yeah, not only impactful pictures, it was also selected for the World Press Photo 2018, I believe, but it also shows that the impact of one picture can tell a much bigger story than a doctor who is explaining about the syndrome. How much does art carry a responsibility towards social justice issues? Everything, eh? but not only art, it counts for us all, I think. Like, we, we all have a collective uh, social responsibility, not only an artist or not only a scientist, also uh, a policy maker, but also the lady that works in the supermarket or the people that pick up your garbage, you know, we are collectively responsible for that. So uh, it's a, I think it's a, it's an ethical responsibility of any person and any profession that you should take into account when you work. Perhaps in a way you at least have to be aware of, there's also a potential dark side. Huh? You can use art also in a very manipulative way. The same counts for media, for example. Um, it can be a dangerous instrument because you can create impact with it. So in that sense, um, yeah, you have to be aware of what you are evoking and uh, it should not be misused. Uh, but um, yeah, that perhaps also counts for scientists, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, everyone should yeah. be aware of the responsibility uh, that they carry towards uh, society and whether, whether you, your responsibility is bigger than someone else's, it doesn't matter as long as you know that no. you're your job right and, and, yeah. and getting your work done in a good way, in an ethical way. Uh, to eventually serve a, 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 a wider amount of people. Um, yeah. Saskia, this brings me to my last question. Do you believe that scientists are blinded by their own creations? Oh, yes, sometimes, of course. Um, not everybody, but the same counts for artists as well. I think we have, a, we have more in common than a lot of people think, you know? So uh, I also know artists that are completely blinded by their own work, for example. And perhaps you also sometimes need a phase in your work that you really believe in what you're doing and that you shut off for a certain amount of time in your research, for example, just to really embrace a topic and dive into it. But then you have to step out again, huh? out of the, the zone you're working in and look, look at it from a distance. And that is something that I really learned in uh, in making theater, that uh, if you, for example, are directing a play, you know what you what you want to make, but you have to look like somebody who looks at it for the first time, because that is what your audience will do. They don't know where the story is going, or they don't know what's going to happen. And when you are making it, you know. When you are a scientist in lab, you know what what is happening. But somebody who sees it for the first time doesn't know that. So and you have to be able, so for example, empathy and the understanding of uh, somebody else who is watching your work or experiencing your work or uh, on which it's uh, being tested on. You have to be able to put yourself in that position as well 
while working. And you can't do that all the time, but you need to, in your process, I think you need to build in moments where you do that, when you step out of it and look at it like, this is new, I don't know a thing. Very well said. Um, with this, Saskia, I would like to end uh, uh, um, our conversation. And I would like to... What a pity. <laughs> yeah, really. Yeah. We can, we can discuss this. I mean, this, those are topics that, you know, are kind of have never-ending discussions and conversations. Uh, um, and, and, yeah, sometimes even, like, like you're saying, I also hope that uh, our conversation can reach out to as many people as possible. To, to, that would be wonderful. Yeah. To really show yeah. the importance of not only looking into science and what science does, but also looking into how bridging fields of science and art, science and philosophy can really bring to the people. It really makes it a better means of communicating science and having the people better understand and get in touch with the science that is eventually, as we said, going to really impact their day-to-day life so i really want to thank you to bring to bringing your insights to the table and to sharing that with me and with our audience and i really hope that we could uh, inspire others to see the importance of this bridging of those fields and hopefully also help in raising awareness on the importance of communicating science and especially uh, uh, communicating things that are not always being done in an ethical way for people to have their own subjective meaning and their own uh, uh, opinion about what is going on. Fantastic. Well, I fully support your mission and I must say this was uh, the nicest conversation I had with the police uh, <laughs> in my life, I think. So, <laughs> well, that's good to so uh, that's really good to hear. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Thanks for listening to Neuroethics Police. Please send me any feedback you have by contacting me on Twitter. And if you want to join in as a guest on my podcast, email me at katherinebasile at gmail.com. Neuroethics Police is an intellectually stimulating podcast produced and hosted by myself, Catherine. Thanks for listening and hope to see you soon.